clobbering time, bitches. Welcome to the Neil World Order podcast. Here we are, back at it in chilly Wisconsin. Temps are getting down to about 37 degrees up here tonight, so uh, safe to say I will be kicking the heat on on my way upstairs to go to bed tonight. Coming to you a little late tonight because um, my daughter and I were watching the end of the Tennessee Ole Miss game, and uh, there was a fourth down play in which Tennessee went for it, and it, it would appear almost on every angle that they got the first down. Well, they didn't, apparently. And uh, the fans began to uh, litter the field with recycling goods. Uh, it was it was kind of crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Um, Lane Kiffin got hit with a golf ball, which was totally funny. Um, and, yeah, the fans just were just throwing shit everywhere, um, which it's funny. Yeah, it's a bad look on a nationally televised game. But uh, luckily, it was only on the SEC network, which nobody's watching unless you're in the South. And if you watched it, you probably thought it was funny. But, <clears throat> yeah, so that, it's, you know, the witching hour here. It's about 10 to midnight. And uh, this is usually about the time I wrap up, I feel like. But now I'm just getting started. But it was a good game. I mean, I think the worst part of it was, of it was you know, me and my daughter, I was like, watch, these announcers, when they go back to the studio, are going to act all woke and say, oh, well, this is so terrible, and blah, blah, blah. And, like, the first guy was like, I think some of these people in Knoxville, when they go home tonight, need to really re-examine their life. Shut up. And I was like, come on. The, that's the problem with ESPN, is there's so many uptight, pretentious douchebags on every show. You know, I think this was the one show Stephen A., wasn't featured on, but I digress. Good showing for Tennessee tonight. I think it's proving that uh, Josh Heupel was a good hire. I questioned it myself. Um, you know, once we get some good players and some, you know, recruiting classes in there, we'll see what we can do. But anyways, uh, I'm actually excited for some things, uh, I've been working on for the podcast, you know, I had so many ideas for this, this day that, that I really, I just wanted to make this happen. Um, you know, even when I was starting the podcast, I had a vision of where we were going to go and what I wanted it to do. And, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't roll that out day one because I had to make sure this was even going to work. And I don't mean technically speaking, um, I just mean in general, if it was something worth putting the time and effort into, because I know it sounds stupid, but, but it is work. Um, so when I was putting this all together in my head and what I, you know, I didn't just sit down, plug in a mic and bam, go for it. Um, I thought of like my favorite talk radio shows. And I think that's kind of how I, I wanted to do this was more talk radio than podcast, you know, where somebody's just reading you information and telling you about what they're doing. But, um, you know, I, I did study podcasts as well early on. Like when I decided to do a podcast, really the only ones I'd ever listened to were some wrestling ones. Um, and, and I'll be honest and the, the, it's, you know, I've said this on here before. The irony of this is, is I personally don't really enjoy podcasts. You know, I try to listen to like 
all the true crime ones and stuff like that, because I love watching murder TV on, like, the ID channel, but, like, in the podcast form, I, I don't, it's hugely popular, but I don't, it doesn't work. Like, I need visuals. I need to see. Um, but, you know, so, like I said, this has far exceeded all of my expectations. It really has. You know, I assumed it would be just my friends um, and family members would listen to it, and that's about it. And, well, I only have a few friends, so somehow I have amassed quite an audience, a global audience, which still continues to blow my mind. I love you guys in Japan. Keep up the downloads. Um, so, you know, in my head, I knew where I wanted to go, and that over time, that like this would have to evolve. You know, it couldn't just be me every week bantering behind the microphone, and every now and then somebody in for something or whatever. So I wanted to put together a team, kind of like the Justice League, the Justice uh, Justice League, except, you know, we won't suck. Um, the whole goal was like this panel, uh, and I think panel's the wrong way to do like a group of us, like three to five people uh, from week to week, you know, maybe it's three, one week, five next week, maybe two, maybe some days it will just be me discussing things and sharing our opinions and thoughts on, on the various happenings of the world, pop culture, personal stories. I mean, it's always going to be the Neil World Order, but I think it's just going to be bigger and hopefully better. You look at it like, you know, the whole concept of Neil World Order was uh, the NWO thing was taken from wrestling. I'm a huge wrestling fan. You know, the NWO started out as just two people, then three people. And then it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And yeah, eventually it got too big, but I don't think I'm going to have that problem. Um, I have two people on board already. And I think we may have the third person on board from time to time. He's got a busy schedule and he's got a lot on his plate. And he's, I think, still unsure about doing it. But I've been trying to get him on the podcast since day one. His name rhymes with Scott. Um, you know, like I said, our boy has a ton on his plate. So I'm guessing he'll drop in from time to time, as well as provide uh, great ideas. Uh, Scott, a lot of the things sometimes I share with you guys come in text conversations I have with Scott, and he's like, hey, you should do this, or blah, blah, he'll send me this. And actually, one of those great ideas is going to be part of the episode tonight. Um, but honestly, like, you know, if you're listening, you like it, um, you know, I found one of the people today, or this week, from a, a TikTok Live, I was... You know, I like to jump in there and interact with people. I was like, oh, my God, I was like, this girl's hilarious. You know, she's kind of on the same mind thing that we are. Um, she's a crazy southerner, just like the rest of us. Um, Andrew will be joining us, which I think is great. Andrew and I have great chemistry in a very heterosexual way, at least on my end. And I can't speak for him. Um, but, yeah, honestly, if you're interested and you think maybe you could be part of the team and maybe we've never interacted, maybe we have, um, reach out uh, on social media or email us at the Neil World Order Podcast at gmail.com. But I think this is going to be really cool, and I want to do it right so that the rollout may be slow, you know, between technology. You're talking people in different parts of the country. So I want to make sure it, it works right before we – roll it out to you guys, but I'm really looking forward to the next chapter, uh, you know, in the evolution of the podcast, and like, you know, I was talking about radio shows, when I lived in Orlando, um, 
you know, anyone who lives in Central Florida, 104.1 is real radio. It's like talk radio all day, not like AM talk radio. But it used to be like um, <clears throat> Howard Stern in the morning. And then there was this group, local people we listened to. They were called the Monsters of the Midday. And I think they're still out there doing their thing. And then they're fantastic. And it was like a group of characters. They would talk about five, they'd have like five main topics. They would go through, you know, something might be local current events in Florida. There could be like a, you know, a, a nationwide current event, um, you know, personal stories in there. They do skits, like funny songs. Uh, they take calls. And it was like, I when I first moved to Wisconsin, it was the hardest thing for me. Like I tried, you know, I was always trying to download it. And it wasn't the same listening to the show online afterwards, you know, and not feeling like you were interacting with it. But, um, you know, and that was really just a group of friends who had bought airtime for years late at night and eventually evolved to where they do cruises, they do concerts, they do huge meet and greet. I mean... They're famous in their own right now, with, you know, and they kind of started from the bottom. And that's not what we're pushing for, you know, but it's like I saw that element and I was like, yes, that that's like that's always what I had in the back of my head for what this could be. You know, it's been a year of me sitting here uh, while I tried to figure out the right way to do it. And, you know, it, it takes commitment from people. So you're like asking them to put in you know, so a lot of the effort that I put in, and I get it, I mean, we're just doing this for fun, so, you know, not every everybody has a life, everybody has things going on, you know, I do this late at night, because, you know, I, I have a life, so I, I give up a few hours of sleep, and sometimes I get to keep them in the morning when she lets me sleep in, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's what's coming, it's, I'm really excited about it, um, I want it, I, you know, I'm still, assembling people um i i think it has the potential to be really great i think as you've seen you know over the past year when we've had uh people when i you know i had andrew on the show i had tara on the show uh we did the group show uh when i was on vacation i think you it, it just flows you know when my wife was on the show it was really it becomes a conversation sometimes you almost forget the audience is there and that's not bad that's just kind of you know, it, it becomes more, I guess it becomes less contrived than, say, reading off of notes and, you know, trying to tell a story when you're just, like, live in, in the, living in the moment, having a conversation about whatever. Um, but moving, moving along, this week's uh, musical inspiration uh, comes from the unique brilliance that is Mickey Avalon. And you're all like, Who? You just you just said that to yourself. I know you did. Mickey Avalon is a Jewish rapper from Los Angeles. Um, his songs kind of speak of the turbulence of his life and the tragedy and adversity seen. Uh, he kind of presents a realistic, non-sugar-coated view of life on the streets of Los Angeles, substance abuse, prostitution, hustling, and I guess just trying to survive. I did some research on him personally. Uh, at age 19, he had to make the decision to pull his father off life support after he'd been injured in a crash with a drunk driver. Um, for a while, he, he himself tried being an Orthodox Jew to try to keep it, to try to keep himself off the streets, but he eventually found himself back on the streets selling drugs and prostituting himself. Uh, at some point in his 20s. He married, had a daughter, left Los Angeles for Portland, Oregon, which 
it's kind of like the same city in a different state without all the famous people. But uh, while in Portland, he moved in with his sister, who unfortunately was also a heroin addict. And he lived there with her until the day he came home and found her dead from an overdose. At that point, he moved back to L.A. with the goal of kind of getting his life on track. Uh, when he came back to L.A., he met former MTV VJ, this is going way back, Simon Rex, which a lot of people, unless you're my age or older, probably don't even remember. And VJs were like the guys that would talk before MTV played videos back when they did music. But uh, Simon Rex raps himself under the name Dirt Nasty. Um, he kind of encouraged Mickey Avalon to tell a story through rap, hip-hop. And, Av you know, Mickey Avalon began to rap. He, he gained a lot of recognition really quick for his music. Um, he released his first EP, this is really dating ourselves, through MySpace. Um, and there's people out there like, what? What's MySpace? MySpace, you know, was the Facebook before Facebook. Um, anyways, Mickey Avon, he would collaborate with, uh, Simon Rex, Dirt Nasty, and another rapper, Andre Legacy, as they were, uh, refer to themselves as the dyslexic speed re readers. They would play clubs up and down the LA Strip and kind of had a huge underground following. Um, he got, he was fortunate and got some breaks. Uh, his music was featured on, on HBO and, uh, an epi couple episodes of Entourage. They played, uh. Jane Fonda, which is a great song by him. Uh, the, the credits in the uh, original first Hangover movie uh, was his sample cover of Billy Squire's Stroke Me. Uh, it's like at the end of the movie when they're flashing back, going through all the pictures of the shit they did. Um, you know, he he's self-made. Uh, he's amassed over $10 million in earnings. He owns real estate in California, bearing his name. Um but, no, definitely what I would do, like, and like I said, I like to present different things, maybe things that aren't so mainstream as well, and just things that are cool. And like I said, they just come on my playlist. I'm like, wow, I've never talked about this. Um, but, you know, check out the songs I mentioned above. Uh, there's a great song called Mr. Right, uh, a song that he did with the dyslexic speed readers called My Dick. Um, and then the title of this episode, there's a song called I Get Even, which I think is a great song. It just He just kind of has a unique sound. And, you know, it might be your thing, it might not. Um, he's kind of cool. Some that used to be popular with the kids. Who knows now? But, um, yeah, so check out some Mickey Avalon. I know we don't talk a lot of sports on this show. I mean, I started the show with sports because of the Tennessee game, and that's kind of why we got here late tonight. Um, so earlier this week, Las Vegas Raiders coach John Gruden resigned over some things he'd said in personal emails, some dating as far back as 10 years ago. I think it was 2011 through 2018, so up until three, nearly four years ago. Um, I guess it was through an investigation going on through the, uh, the NFL or the FBI and the Washington football team, formerly the Washington Redskins over, I guess, a toxic administrative culture they have there. I, I feel like because nobody cares about the Redskins, it doesn't get a lot of play, but they're finding a lot of dirt on a lot of people. Um, Gruden won't be the last head to roll, but, um. 
you know, think about that. Emails from 10 years ago. Like, I, I can't even, like, I don't even know, like, I can't tell you something I said three episodes ago, let alone, like, 10 years ago. And to be held accountable for it, or to, like, I mean, you're, we're not, most of us are not the same person we were 10 years ago, or, you know, in some cases, 10, 15 minutes ago, three whiskeys ago, however you want to look at it. But, um, we actually have a statement from John Gruden, and he his people that asked us to read it for him. But um, before we get to that, let, let's look at um, look at it like you know it's kind of like and all the things they were going through is like why you know why was Gruden? I always think things like this come down to who'd you piss off, you know, and when these stories break about tweets someone said or something they did, I'm always like. How, how stupid is it that these stories have to come to light? I mean, ultimately, in my opinion, it boils down to people just being fucking petty. Um, you know, somewhere, sometime, Gruden pissed off somebody, and they either hack, hacked his emails as this was going on, you know, and forward them um, through this investigation to somebody, or they were saving this shit for the right time. Um, you know, and that's just the culture we live in right now. He's not the first person to face the acts of cancel culture, and he, he won't be the last. It's all stupid. It really is, especially coming from the NFL and the Raiders of all teams. Um, the NFL is a league full of criminals. You know, and it's common knowledge, whether it's drug arrests, DUIs, and the league favorite domestic violence, sprinkled in with, you know, some murderers and rapists here and there, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, you know... I'll review some of the things that were said in the emails. We'll start with the original thing that was leaked. Um, it was the term rubber lips uh, is what Gruden used to describe NFL Players Association President Demoris Smith. Gruden explained that the term referred to someone who is a liar. You know, a lot of executives don't like Demoris Smith. You know, he obviously he's an advocate for the players, not for the owners. Um, Gruden, you know, and honestly, most definitions, I, I, I looked up rubber lips, refer to the butchering of words while speaking, you know, like anyone who tries to pronounce the name of Duke basketball head coach, Coach K. Um, but this term was said to be racist. I, I'm assuming because Smith is black and well, he does have big lips. He doesn't have big lips because he's black. He just has big lips. Um, observations aren't racist, but you know, here we are living in the world in which you can't describe things colorfully, no pun intended. Um, in other emails, apparently between Gruden, um, Hooters CEO and Washington, um, football team, I believe president of operations, Bruce Allen and another guy who runs Outback Steakhouse. They made comments and sent pictures of half naked women, um, you know, typical guy stuff. Apparently, these things are misogynistic, which, you know, I guess a league full of wife beaters would really know, you know, what's misogynistic and what's not. Um, in one of the emails, Gruden referred to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell as a faggot and an anti-football-loving -love pussy. Um, you know, what's crazy is I've never heard any 
anyone or too many people around the league at least that say anything positive about the commissioner. I mean, he gets booed every year at the draft. Every year when they present the Super Bowl trophy, the guy gets booed wherever they are. He just isn't well-liked. He's a big red-headed gorilla. I mean, I guess I would ask, you know, is there significant proof that what Gruden said about Goodell wasn't true? I mean, I believe there was also emails where Gruden discussed how he thought it was bullshit that the NFL was pressuring the Rams and then uh, the the coach and GM of the time of the Rams, Jeff Fisher, into drafting Michael Sam, who would have been who was the first openly gay player drafted or in the league, or even though the consensus you know behind closed doors was the dude couldn't play, that it was basically he wasn't worth a shit, but it was draft him for the you know the PR of it, the publicity, and so and like I said. Um, we reached out to John Gruden and offered him, we offered him a few minutes to speak on this uh, week's show. He unfortunately declined, but his people were kind enough to send us this statement. Um, let me get this together now, and uh, <clears throat> I-, I will read this. This is a statement from John Gruden. It says, Dear whiny bitches, and I don't mean as in women, I mean all you fuckers who cry and get offended about what a grown man says in emails to his personal friends. My guess would be that half of the women claiming to be offended by my words have been peed on, participated in gangbangs, and send nudes to multiple men and probably have breath that reeks of scrotum and man juice. My intent was never to degrade women, but simply point out to my friends that these women had pretty great boobs. I enjoy boobs. And while I do find it unfortunate that, yes, to enjoy boobs, you have to deal with the rest of the woman, I still enjoy them. So ladies, like actual ladies, not man ladies, you know, the ones with dicks, I apologize if you somehow misunderstood my admiration. As for what my use, as for my use of what some would call homophobic slurs, I say this, relax, I don't want your man and I am secure enough to walk into a rest area bathroom in the middle of the night without the fear of someone gazing at my hangdown, or Little Chucky, as I call him. I referred to the player in question as such because it is fact that he enjoys and prefers a penis in his butt or in his mouth, depending on his mood. That's his right, and while I don't enjoy participating in such activities, it's totally cool that he does. I mean, I would never try to alienate the gay community. We all appreciate the fan bases in Pittsburgh and Dallas and are glad they are part of the NFL community. I am not a racist. It's true. I have made a living molding the lives of men, most of whom were black, and molding them in a completely non-homosexual way, just to be clear. My description of Demoris Smith's lips I thought was pretty accurate. It looks like he tried to perform fellatio on a hot curling iron. That isn't directly related to his race. He just literally has big lips. Like Kim Kardashian has a big ass. As for Roger Goodell, well, I do think you hate football. And I personally do not have any proof or evidence that you, in fact, do not love men. Perhaps my adjectives were lazy and not as polished as they should have been. I was simply having conversations with my friends. If you were offended by any of my comments, well, that sucks. And most likely, so do you and your mother.
I look forward to coaching and being welcomed back into the NFL community again. It's a great community, full of men who abuse their wives, drive drunk, cheat on their spouses, have little disregard for our great country, and the best collection of deadbeat fathers a guy could ask to be around. In closing, I apologize. Just kidding. Suck my Chucky balls. Wow. Uh, we appreciate John Gruden for uh, not writing that and sharing it with us. Uh, you know, it was, to me, it's very important to allow both sides of the story here on our podcast. Um, okay, obviously, that's all fiction and what I just read. But how epic would it have been had Gruden actually issued such a statement? And that wonderful idea and segment was all from the mind of Scott who told me I should write a statement that it would have been cool that John Gruden would have said. And I think this is something going forward every time somebody does something that gets them in trouble or canceled and comes out with some fake apology, we will create a statement that they should have read. And I think this could that could be really cool. But, I mean, you know, that's what cancel culture needs, is someone to say, fuck off, kind of like Dave Chappelle is currently doing. And if you haven't seen Chappelle's latest show on Netflix, The Closer, you need to watch it ASAP. He's brilliant. Like, I don't always agree with everything Dave Chappelle says, but he's probably the best mind in comedy right now, possibly ever. He's just, there's a genius behind him, and he's, I think he's an authentic person, you know, good, bad, or indifferent with his opinions on whatever, but I, I think he's sincere. Uh, you know, they've been trying to cancel him, and he's pretty much just laughed it off and said, you know, kiss my ass, you know. So I have mad, mad respect for anyone that would do that. Um, but yeah, so that's our whole take on cancel culture. Um, it, switching to, I guess, a more positive light of things. Um, as many of you probably already know, um, our boy Joshy was adopted Tuesday. Um, and as much as I miss this big guy who's now named Henry, uh, he never came to Joshy anyways. He pretty much just came when he wanted to or when he was hungry. His life honestly could not be more perfect. The uh, couple that adopted him are everything we could have wished for uh, for Joshy, for any dog. They're truly, they're a godsend. Um, and it's kind of cool because it all happened by chance and fate, you know, serendipity. Like, we, it was an event it was a memorial event for people's dogs that had, you know, suffered, were fighting, battling cancer or had been lost to cancer. And it's like a little walk. And their dog had passed, I believe it was two weeks prior to the, and they weren't going to go because they were just like, you know, you're going to see dogs. It's going to break your heart and you hear the story. And I get it. That wound's fresh, you know, and we weren't going to go because one, I don't like going to Madison. Uh, I don't like big crowds. And, you know, I was worried about putting Joshy into that situation because I was like, he's not going to like this. He's not going to be comfortable. There's going to be tons of dogs around, you know, so your head's always going to have to be, you know, we didn't know him that well. I mean, we had a couple days in with him. But we went, 
and he, Josh, he was, you know, he didn't want to be there. He wanted to leave, but he behaved good. I was kind of always off the distance from where our little setup was. And this, the couple actually walked up to him, you know, and I explained his story and his scars and, you know, they fell in love with him and that love continued, only continued to grow up until the, you know, and I'm sure it's growing every, every day now. Uh, we've already got pictures of him snuggled up on the couch with his, uh, his dad, he's snuggling with his new sister. Um, her name is Claire. They said, uh, you know, apparently they see now that she really missed the dog they had lost. Uh, they were snuggled under a blanket. Like, it, it's amazing. It, it really is to see. You see it in his face, in his eyes. Um, it's, it's very rewarding. I mean, you know, it might have brought tears to us. You know, when he left because he took a huge part of our hearts with him. But, like, at the end of the day, I, I knew, I know he's going to be okay. Um, I hope he has so many years enjoying the amazing life that this couple's going to give him. He so deserves it. You know, I saw him sitting in the driver's seat of that truck the other day, and I, I knew it. I was like, you know what, he's going to be okay. He's got this. That's, that's you know, my boy Joshy. Um and it's awesome, you know, when everything aligns for the dogs that we foster, just the dogs that come through uh, the organization we work with, um, you know, especially a dog like Josh with that history of cruelty and people just being terrible to him, um, you know, but not anymore, you know, his life is going to be awesome. His mom and dad are dedicated to making every day the best day of his life and that that's all we can hope for you know i guess you know we should all try to live like that to where we make every day the best day of our life sounds like your boy i, I honestly think i'm coming down with a cold i hope it's allergies just from the climate changing really uh, bad maybe i don't know i i feel fine i just got a little bit of the sniffles Hope your boy doesn't have the Rona and I drop dead in the next week. It'll be really crazy if I do, though, because then you guys have me, like, making jokes about it. I'll be like all those other people that joked about it and whatever. If this strawberry lemonade whiskey from Old Smokey doesn't cure it, nothing will. Eventually, they're going to give me a, a sponsor. What is it, what is it called? Uh, endorsement deal. You know, I'm always talking about them. But, um... NBA season about to start. Uh, I believe it starts Tuesday, maybe, or maybe Tuesday, a week from this coming Tuesday. Uh, Bucks look to defend their title. Kyrie Irving taking a stand. Um, I find it interesting that the NBA allowed Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson originally retired when he came out and said he had HIV back in, I don't know, was it 91, 90, 92, 89, whenever. And then, um, as you recall, a year or so later, he did come back and play. So here was a guy who was allowed to play in the NBA with a disease, virus, whatever you want to call it, that there was absolutely no cure. Technically, there still is no cure for, even though Magic Johnson doesn't have it anymore. But whatever. Um but because Kyrie has chosen to not be vaccinated with a vaccine that would not prevent him from getting COVID-19 or spreading COVID-19, so the virus would literally do nothing, um, or the vaccine would literally do nothing, he is not being allowed 
to be around the Brooklyn Natural Organization for practice in the building, can't travel. Um, it's, it's kind of absurd. Uh, you know, I... I've never was a high, huge Kyrie fan. I've always thought he was kind of douchey and kind of uh, selfish. But, I mean, I can respect the hell out of this. Here's a guy, like, saying what he means, taking a stand for what he believes, and doing way more than Colin Kaepernick ever did. You know, with Kyrie, I don't think this is as much about gain, gaining headlines as it he's take, made a line in the sand, you know, much like a lot of the Southwest employees did earlier this week. And they, they will not be adhering to the vaccine mandate. And that, that's kind of where it starts, is the easiest way to beat forced compliance is non-compliance. You know, I read somewhere that it only takes about anywhere from 5 to 15% of the population to be like, yeah, fuck this. And, it, and it, it goes away. You just have to commit to it. You have to trust yourself. And you got to, you know... Get a, get yourself away from all the misinformation, which there's there's a ton of. You know, there's people out there that probably think I'm misinformation. I'm not telling you anything I haven't researched, and I read it directly from the studies. I don't profess to be knowledgeable in any of those things, other than saying, "Hey, look, I'm giving you the information that the knowledgeable people have." I mean, the whole aspect of science is to always question things and not just. You know, science isn't, hey, we say this is science and that's it. That That's like the opposite of science. But I feel like that's what we're trying to sell to people now. And it's it's crazy. It's crazy times we're living in, you know. But um, that's about all I got this week, folks. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media. Reach out if you're interested in joining the panel or you'd like to do an episode or so. You think you have something to contribute. Um don't forget to hit up the merch site. We put all kinds of cool Let's Go Brandon items on there. So um, everyone have a great weekend and uh, stay warm out there. And we'll see you next week. Peace.